wanted I wanted Pastor to hear this. Um, I'm trying to find Carl Natrum. Oh, he's not. Oh, good. I don't have to. Oh, here he comes. Wow. I am. I am originally from Jamaica, but I don't want Carl to feel badly. I'm from Barbados too. I. I served for almost 10 years as a pastor in Barbados. After I came off the road as, a, as an evangelist, I ended up in Barbados, and I thank God for that because that was a turning point in my life where I came in contact with the kingdom. And I tell you, Carl was very, very gracious as he introduced me to some things that I thought he was heretic. And um, I, I have a confession, and I make it again and again. I've asked the Lord to forgive me, and he has forgiven me. When I met Carl, he had straight black hair. And after a short while, it became gray. I have a question for you. Anybody here allergic to latex? Anyone? Yeah? You are? You are? All right, I'll avoid you. You don't mind if I, if I use latex? effective? No, I, don't, I, I want everybody to be safe. Uh, because, you know, I, um, I told someone that, you know, God has a special affinity for numbers, don't you? Numbers are very important to God. And um, I'm number seven in my family. You understand what num- the number seven is? I don't like to tell everybody that it's the perfect number. But when Carl talked about Telios last night, I can't help telling you that you remember when Jesus cried over the cross, Teliestai, Teliestai? Finish, complete. Is the same word? It's the number seven. I'm making up this. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a child, they told me, Bobby's, don't say that. Bobby, those children are not kids because they, because they eat goat. Um, maybe that's why Americans don't like goat. Because the babe goat is called a kid. I'm just working on something. You see, when I was a child, my teacher told me that I was artistic. And I was kind of excited about it because I did a lot of paintings and I liked balloons. And I tried all sorts of stuff. But then we had a, we had a teacher from, from Britain. And he was saying something about autistic. And I was kind of concerned because I found out that autistic means something else. So my teacher that told me that I was artistic died. And I'm so glad because... I was kind of afraid that it was a mispronunciation. You know? Anyhow, you like them? Anyhow, I just wanted to know that's a good thing to have got the parents. My parents were holy parents. Holy because they were, my mother originated from the Pentecostal holiness. My father was from the Wesleyan holiness. 
I didn't know anything about Arminianism until I got to college. But I can tell you one thing. I heard that my father was an Armenian. You know what it means? He, he believes that he could lose his salvation. My father was a serious Armenian. And when I, when, when I did some, when they misunderstood me and decided to punish me, I reminded them that he could lose his salvation and he'd quit. <laughs> You'd imagine that I was born in a strange time. I was born way back when. As a matter of fact, I was born when it was all right to be gay because I was called a gay kid. <laughs> Things have changed. Not only that, I was born at a time when especially women were afraid of mouse. But then I found out after a while it, they were just afraid of their eyes and their tail. Because a woman will be at work now and keep her hand on a mouse all day. <laughs> so I guess it must have been, but this one doesn't have eyes and tails. I have, I have two adult children. And my son told me that, my son, they're, they're like night and day. My daughter is different. My daughter is like me. My daughter wants to see everything in order, and I thank God for her. But my son, one of the big problems is that he has been going to college now for many years. I won't I'll tell you the reason why, but he, he is. Literally, he is. And he, he told me that I had OCD. And I was kind of excited about it, you know, OCD. He said, I had your OCD. But I've been teaching him all his life to honor his parents. And where I'm from in Jamaica, I remember that someone gets the, was OD, and that's order of distinction. And OJ, order of Jamaica. Those are the highest orders you can get. And so when my son gave me OCD, I was kind of scared to ask him what it meant. But one day I went to his room and I said, son, my son will sleep on his bed in winter without using his covering just because he doesn't want to make his bed. <laughs> so one day I talked to him about it, and then to my surprise and disappointment, he told me that OCD meant obsessive compulsive disorder. I said, I'm not. I'm just trying to keep things straight. I said, I'm thankful for my mom. My mom taught me. I said, but poor grandma, don't blame her. I want you to understand where we are. Because some of the things I want to bring out will be helpful for you to understand. You know, from the tropics, not very many of us had washers, but all, hardly anybody ever bought a dryer. Because everybody hung out their clothes to dry. You know, nowadays it's young people that hang out. They don't hang out clothes anymore. <coughs> My daughter coming, Daddy, can I go hang out with my friend? Can I go hang out with it? Things have changed. Did you know that I, I got my driver's license, my first driver's license when, oh, you know, when my father bought his first car, you had to order, special order, automatic transmission. And every car that was automatic had an automatic transmission. It was marked automatic.
went for his license, I could have opted for an automatic license. An automatic license can't drive six years. I mean, how is somebody we manage? Anyway. I'm just trying to remember I'm artistic. Oh, this won't work. You know, I I was figuring this out, but I never had a marker, so I'm using a highlighter. Um, so Alright, I might have to tell you what this is. I'm so glad that Alan used up so much of my time, so this the playing field is now level. I can do whatever I want to do. I appreciate that I'm finished. And this that's it, Christ, by the way. My friend Ken, I haven't given you anything in a while. That's a church. God has, will ultimately have three firstborn sons. For the establishment of his kingdom, he's going to have three firstborn sons. Israel, church, and Christ. There's something special about that one. It's not just blue. I can't remember. I'm artistic, but it's not just blue for style. I want to be, distinguish that one. That one is blue. Christ is different. Christ is the only begotten. Distinguishes himself. He's different from the other two sons of God. I want you to remember that. because I don't have to tell you to turn to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's one of God's son. But it would be nice for us to understand that he was described or depicted in the parable of the uh, master and his son in Luke chapter 20 and verse number 13. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that they will receive him. When they see him, we know that that was not the case, right? The beloved son came, but they didn't receive him, even when they saw him. I want you to note, however, that the beloved son ministered among his people for about three and a half years. And the writer of Matthew, we find in chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, And lo, the voice from heaven saying, This is my Beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm so glad that when I listen to the speakers here, that the ones that have preceded me, each of them preached a little bit of my message, so it should make it a little easier. Now, people have preachers coming on last for two reasons. Either they have nothing to say, or they come to correct everyone. You figure out. Don't tell me. Which of them I fit. But I just want to say something about the baptism of Jesus in passing. 
I want to remind you that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. You remember that John the Baptist did not want to baptize Jesus? A lot of people believe that John the Baptist did not want to baptize Jesus because John the Baptist said that he was not worthy. John the Baptist didn't say that. John the Baptist was more shocked than anything. Lord, you must be kidding. Me baptize you? But that wasn't the reason. John the Baptist was baptizing a baptism unto repentance. And Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. That was the issue. John the Baptist was shocked. But you know why John baptized Jesus? Or Jesus insisted that John baptize him? There were a group of people that have just come into an understanding that the man from Nazareth, the man from Bethlehem was indeed the Christ. And they were baptized, a group of Jews, they were baptized unto repentance. And God wanted to identify who the king of that kingdom was. And so when Jesus was baptized, you remember the incident that followed? After he ascended from the water, the Bible said a dove came down and alighted on his shoulder. You remember a voice that came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's why John was baptized. And by the way, you are not baptized according to the baptism of John. That's not the baptism you're baptized of. And so when you go and hear people talk about, I'm being baptized like Jesus, I'm going to do it just like Jesus, think again. I want you to understand, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we have Israel. I don't have to spend a lot of time on that one. Do you remember when God sent Moses to Pharaoh and said to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh, let my son go. It's in Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God, Israel is my son, my firstborn son. Let my son go. And you know the story. I had a rough time because he insisted for a while. God allowed it to harden his heart. But then the church in John chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But there is a little condition even to them that believe on his name. I want us to understand this, that it is very important for us to understand that God will ultimately have three firstborn sons. Now, in case someone here might have a problem, what do you mean by three firstborn sons? It sounds odd. Three firstborn sons. Let me do it as simply as I think I can for you. Son is, is son here, most times in scripture, almost all the time, it's not progeny or posterity son is heirship in other words when Jesus ascended from the wall and a voice came and said this is my beloved son let me paraphrase for you this is the one that is going to take over he's the king of the kingdom that you have just repented and been baptized and so you are now a part of 
So because Israel was always God's son, ever since God had called them and brought them together, all that Israel will have to do to be back in sync with God, just like anybody else, is to repent. And so when Pastor Clark said yesterday that it is Israel that repents, he's right. But let me just extend a little further to explain for you. It's only God's people that can repent. You did not repent to become saved. Unless you're a Jew. Unless you're in this group. The person that's not a Jew that becomes saved believes in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's all it is. And so when church... When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to become saved, you're just like the other brother, Israel. That, so both of you are God's son. And I'm going to be more accurate in the making. Because the work is not done. We often hear, and most of us at some point in, in time in our lives, we heard that we were saved and the day you were saved, you're adopted in the beloved. Let me tell you something, folks. I came into the United States and I lived on a, what is called a L2 visa. What that is, is that I am attached to my wife's visa that is a, it came into the United States as a worker. Now, as long as I had that L2 visa, I am a temporary resident. I mean, it sounds a way, but it's kind of fun. It's funny the number of ways. I didn't even have to file taxes. The only disadvantage with my temporary visa is that I had to go back to Jamaica every three years to renew it. And if they look on their computer and they see a criminal connection, they, so, they just tell me, all right, I'll tell you what, stay. That L2 visa cannot be renewed in the United States. And the only reason why it can't be renewed in the United States is that they want to make sure that when they check the computer, if I'm a criminal, they say, stay. They won't have to pay anything to ship me home. <laughs> That's the only reason. I want you to understand, folks, that the church, church, pay attention. The church, papers are filed, but you don't have permanent residence yet. You are like, the whole of an L2 visa. Carl told you the other night, a lot of blessings we have here. As church, we are enjoying a lot of blessings. But your other brother, who have forfeited their position, God has set them aside. The writer of the Hebrew took it to heart and wrote to us and tell us, watch it, fear, lest the rest be left us to enter into his rest. Any of you seem to come short of it? I mean, Christians don't want to hear that. Now, the reason why I told you that my dad was Wesleyan holiness and was, Ar and was Armenian, it was easy to talk to him. My mother passed away before I got the chance to explain. But my father, I explained to him, and it was easy for him to simulate the fact that there was something to lose. All I had to explain to my dad was that there was two different salvations. Because my dad, like most Christians, and some of you might still be here, that all you know, that man is a tripartite being, that 25 cents word means that he has three parts. So his body 
soul and spirit. That's not true. Man is body, soul, soul, and spirit. As a matter of fact, I'm at a place now where I, you see, because we're accustomed to saying body, soul, and spirit. I am trying to reprogram myself to say spirit, body, and soul. So as to me, because the writer of the Hebrew tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it dissects these three. If God is tripartite and he made us in his image and likeness, so is man. And there are some specific reasons, and we have to understand that or else we won't understand the big picture. You notice I'm not saying too much about the only begotten son. Because the only begotten son is sealed, signed, and settled. As a matter of fact, the only thing that Satan can do to the only begotten son is to trouble these. Satan can't do anything about Christ. He knew that even from the temptation, he knew that. I want you to notice I don't have time to show you all, but he offered him kingdom, power, and glory. Don't waste time to wonder if Christ could take it. Christ is God. Jesus is God. He couldn't take it. But it was a legitimate offer. I want to show you some other things as I go along. As we study that, we need to come. I want to make it very, very clear. It is good hermeneutical principle that an application be based on the interpretation, right? But what happens when the interpretation is flawed? There goes the application. Most people are preaching applications. If you have flawed interpretation, the application is it's natural. I want to take this out straight out of my text. Come with me to John, St. John's Gospel in chapter 5. Some Jews were having a hard time with Jesus because Jesus said some strong words to them. Very last say unto you from verse 23, all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. Just try it. Let me reprogram your minds. Jesus is God putting on flesh. The division, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is for our benefit. And we like to try and see if we can explain the Trinity. What does the Trinity mean? And we can't do that. There is one God. God became flesh and dwell among us. That's scripture, right? I heard a preacher the other day talking about when Jesus was tempted by the devil and he quoted from Deuteronomy. He was strengthening himself. That's almost blasphemy. Jesus wasn't strengthening himself. He did not need strength. God does not need strength. Not only that, I want you to understand that when Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy, it was like a double jeopardy. Jesus is the word. The word does not need strength. Whatever Jesus did, he did it so that it can be recorded for our benefit and to ridicule the devil. My humble understanding. So when you come to John chapter 5, I go down to verse number 39. I want to, had they believed Moses, would have been my title if I had one particular. But look, look at verse 39. It says, search the scripture. For in them you think he have eternal life. 
that is Aeonos life, age lasting life. And they are they which testify of me, Jesus said. And he will not come to me that he might have life, and that is you. Dojo. That is life, if I may say, that is like uh, a livelihood of uh, a living, as we call it, a holding and inheritance, if you will. Two different words. I receive not honor from men, but I know, I know, I know, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him he will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one for one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God? He could have well say from me. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom he trust. For had he believed Moses, you would have believed me. That's where I got it from. For he wrote of me. But if he believe not his writings, how shall he believe me? When I heard Brother Shift got under that yesterday, I said, glory, I don't even have to do it again. The Lord said, had he believed Moses, you'd have believed me. No denial of the fact that the closer we get to the end of this dispensation, the farther we are from biblical truth. Wouldn't you agree? One way Satan ensures that this remains is by the way people interpret scripture. Many are ignorant while others are neglectful in regarding the fact that though all scripture is for us, all scripture is not to us. I don't want to scare you out of here. But most of the scripture is written to the Jewish people. The Bible tells us that the church, what we now know as the church, we were grafted in. And so we need to remind ourselves of that as we study and even as we listen to the message. So all scripture is for us. I'll give you a reference. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 16 and 17, all scripture was given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So all scripture is for us. We can learn from it, for doctrine, for correction, and the whole works. But not all scripture is to us. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I love Carl. I love you even more last night when he told me because I was ashamed. I did Greek, but I can't pronounce it either, and I still have to look in my lexicon. So, glory, thank you for that. I love that last night. Anathome for the word dividing. Correctly dissect. What it is actually saying. Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, so you can put the word where it belongs. Rightly placing the word where it belongs. I illustrate that. I can find 
a love letter that you wrote, wrote to your spouse. I can't pick up that love letter and hug it over and say, wow, you love me. But I can take that love letter and get some ideas to write to my spouse. You might have been reprimanding your spouse and I can take some of that reprimand and say, you know, I'm not behaving right. Are you with me? The word of God must be properly placed or if you're going to run into trouble. I have a friend, a dear friend of mine, and she, she likes this verse. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God never told the church that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why people think the Bible is so contradictory. The Bible tells us that church, you're going to suffer. Don't, don't leave. Please stay. You are going to suffer. It's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. And if you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. That's a nice part. Yeah, thank you. Shake your head. Yeah. That's a nice part. If you suffer with me, you're going to reign with me. And that's the only way. As a matter of fact, you, if you want to know, remember all, all scripture is not for you. If you want to know that it's true, look at your brother. Israel, God's son. You see what God did to his son? He'll do it to you. And so that's why we have to be very, very careful. Let's say so, hasten along. So here we see that it is very apparent in my mind, in the accounts of Jesus, that he taught a lot about the man Moses. He talked about Moses a lot. Having shown the Jewish people numerous signs. The man at the pool of Bethesda is a good example. By the way, Jesus was not a miracle worker. The way we know miracle workers today. Jesus did signs that were miraculous. Jesus, the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus went down there and there's nothing in the scripture that tells us that this man was there the longest. We made that up. But the scripture tells us that he was not the only one. There were a number of others. Now Jesus went down there and healed just one. And that is why we assume that he was there the longest. I don't know. That's not my issue. That's not my point. It could well be. But the point I'm making here, that Jesus healed a man that was there at the well for 38 years. May I say to you on the authority of the word of God from John chapter 20. As a matter of fact, now that I'm so close, I better just show you. In chapter 20, come with me. In chapter 20 of John, it tells us why Jesus healed. Actually, the book of John was written after the events. The book of John was written later. The book of John was written about the period of time of the Acts between somewhere AD 62 or 63. When we look at verse number 29 and down to the end of the chapter, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thomas... Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet have believed. And many other signs, miraculous signs, did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. I'm going to show you that a lot of things that Jesus did are not written in the Bible. You know? The Bible couldn't hold it. But he gave us sufficient because the Bible is a book of redemption. God has given us sufficient in his word to redeem us from where we are to where we ought to be. So, in verse 31, he says, But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Hey, folks, Christ is not Jesus' surname. 
Christ is Jesus, is who Jesus came to manifest himself as. Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was promised. Now I want you to notice when you read the scripture, every time you see, you really will ever see Christ Jesus among the gospels. Because what God wanted this son to understand, that the Jesus that you know from down to the village called Nazareth is indeed the Christ. But because your brother came into the family of God by accepting Christ, what it means there is that they believe that the Jesus, your Jesus, Jewish Jesus, that was born down at Bethlehem is indeed the Christ. So they accept Christ. Let me tell you something. These people are so dumb that they would have accepted Judas if Judas was the Christ. They didn't care who the Christ was. The Jews care who the Christ is. And let me just hasten to tell you that the people who have accepted Christ came into the family simply by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you understand that? The, the clearest account in scripture for your eternal salvation is found in Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31. So, what must I do to be saved? The question that the Philippian jailer asked. That guy was sleeping while they were singing choruses. I have nothing against inspiration and what they call it praise and worship. I have nothing against it. But the Philippian jailer slept through the praise and worship. The earthquake woke, woke him up. None of those moved him. As a matter of fact, when the earthquake woke him up and he stood up, he was angry. I don't know at what point he pulled out his sword and would have killed himself. And when he looked, he couldn't believe his eyes. They were all there. That's what made the difference. If it was the earthquake alone, if it was the songs alone, it wouldn't mean a thing. It's the fact that they were a witness. What it is, they stood there under stringent circumstances. They were there. And Paul reverberated it and said, we are all here. And if you want to think we are all men, Paul and Silas, think again. We are all men, Paul, Silas, and all the other inmates. Because Paul and Silas had a witness to them. That's what a witness is. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. Natural men don't understand the things of the Spirit of God. We spend all this time catering for natural man, and we're really being deceived. The natural man understands a transformed life. And I like to tell folks, you know, we, we, we have conversation. The pastors that I communicate with, some of you are here, don't say a word. Keep, just sit down and keep quiet. Don't even look at me for a moment. When I say to them, uh, um, don't call these buildings the house of God. This is yeah, man, it's the house of God. This building is not the house of God. When Stephen preached and told the people that the building built with hands can't be the house of God, they stoned him. So if you stone me, you're, you're in good, bad company. But the house of God are people. And let me tell you why it's important. It's, possible, that it's, in, it's very significant. It's a trick of the devil. It's not, it's not the house of God. It's not a sanctuary. The, 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 the building that Solomon built was the house of God because the Ark of the Covenant was there. The, the symbol of God's presence was there. So that was the house of God. But this building is the meeting place for the house of God. 
And the reason why it's important, Paul said, know how to behave yourself in the house of God. If this is the house of God, you only have to behave here Sunday. You have Sunday night services? <laughs> oh, God. So you don't have to behave at all. You have Wednesday night, huh? So you would have to behave only Sunday and Wednesday. But because you are living stones, you are blocks in the house of God. Everywhere you go, you are in the house of God. So when I meet Tracy, I say, hey, Tracy, I meet him down at the farm. I say, man, it's good to be in the house of God today. And some worker might look at us and say, wait. <laughs> I knew Tracy was mad, but this other black guy's mad too. <laughs> we are always in the house of God. You see what that does? You see the difference it makes? And that is what the weakness is. So a co-worker that works with you will see the difference in you every moment of every day. And folks, just be honest. When you're wrong, tell that brother or that sister with whom you work, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it again. I mean, if you're gainfully employed, when you go to work, you work all day for the pay that you get. Don't be a Christian thief because we have too many. Work for what you get. I want to tell you something else. I'm just going to touch it and pass. Just as I said, only God's people can repent. What I meant, Israel repented and should repent. Now that you are God's son, you can repent. But you did not repent to become God's son. Another thing that some of you might be shocked to know that born again appears only two times in the Bible. The big born-again doctrine that you hear, everybody must be born again. Must be born again. Israel can be born again. Because they were born before. They were born out of the water of the Red Sea. And so when people think that Christians are born again, and they'll tell some nice things. They might have told you in seminary, you were, the, 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 the water that is mentioned there is the amniotic fluid in the womb. I mean, that's just, that's just nice nonsense. The water there is the water of baptism. Now, baptism don't save you. But just like Israel, Israel was saved. Israel was delivered before they came out of Egypt. You know when they were delivered? When did the angel pass? The night of the death angel passed. They were saved. One of the priests, they were saved just like us. They were saved by the blood. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb. And I want you to notice that they put the blood on the doorpost. I'm going to make this a door for the time because this place has no doors. The doors are too far. Uh, the doorpost and the lintel, it's a symbol of the cross. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And so they were delivered by the blood, by the blood of the Lamb. And that lamb that they killed, that the first one that was killed in the Garden of Eden, and the preacher told you yesterday, I don't have to elaborate on that, is the same thing that is pointing to every lamb that, that God's son, Israel, killed. They were pointing to Messiah. It was such a shock that when Messiah came, they didn't, they didn't recognize him. Micah told them, and I'm going to show you something in a moment. Let me just hasten along. And I'm so glad that that, that pastor took some of my time so the rule changed. Amen. Anyway, I'm still within the ambit, so I can, I'm all right. Why are these people in the same at all? 
Anyway, the Jewish people, God's son, are covenant people. I want us to stop seeing them as we often hear unsaved, those unsaved Pharisee. They are God covenant people. All that Jews need is to repent. And God is going to fix you all. Because according to the writer of the Romans, Paul said that all Israel will be saved. God's going to fix all of his son here, just a matter of time. But you're going to go through some rough times if you don't repent. There's a time coming that is called the tribulation. Great tribulation. So if you don't repent, the wrath of God is coming. Son, that's what God is saying. Son, God is saying, pay attention to what I have done to the first son. Because first I've been set aside. There is a stream of two sons all the way through scripture. And every time first becomes last. And last becomes first. So the first son, the first son Esau. And God specified because God wanted you to know that he was first. Even though they were twin. And the reason why they were twin, God wanted to show you the similarities. But we have dissected them. It was the same God's son. So the first son Esau, and I can't spend too much time on it, but I just need to mention it because it's a Bible conference. You need to go home with something. Esau, as we sold his birthright, as a matter of fact, I think he squandered his birthright. And Jacob, we hear that Jacob was a schemer. Schemer just mean in place of Jesus was a schemer. Jesus was in place of Satan. Schemer does not mean that he was a trickster. If I had time, I'd show you from scripture. That Rebecca was not trying to help Jacob to trick Esau. Rebecca was more careful about her husband than she was about Jacob. Because God had told them prior to that. That the elder shall serve the younger. That was the prophecy of God. Rebecca never forgot that. And so when, 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 when her husband was about to do the wrong thing at this late stage in his life. She said, boy, run out and get a kid and kill the kid. No, no, here we are, folks. Isaac was a farmer, understood animal husbandry. He wasn't tricked. The, the killing of the you remember who first killed a kid? Brother Swift told you yesterday. God kill a kid in the Garden of Eden. It was a symbol of grace. It was a symbol of the grace of God. Jacob, it was God's plan that Jacob be first. Because first is going to become last and last become first. It was not trick at all. It was God's plan. And somebody's going to say, even when he went over to Le uh, Laban, he tricked Laban and got some purple cows. I mean, Brother Tracy knows about cow. You can make cow spotted. Just make some cow spotted. You want some spotted cow? Spotted cow, carry high price. God did that. Jacob didn't do that. Jacob couldn't do that. I want you to understand that God functions in a very systematic way. And he uses anybody. That he wills, he chooses. He even uses the Assyrian fear that didn't know anything about God to accomplish his purpose. To batter Israel. So that Israel can call upon the God of their father. You know I love sometimes when some of us preachers talk about we are the Lord's anointed. So is the devil. 
anointing is not forfeited. The devil is still the Lord's anointed. Just a rebel in a rebel capacity. I mean, don't go and tell the preacher that. And those that are you are here, I'm not telling you that. But hear me. The Bible says. That is why. So, so, so God was not talking. Um, Moses, sorry, was not talking about some reprobate, unbelieving people when he spoke to the Jewish people. Neither was Christ. When Christ spoke to the Jewish people, we go out and we think that the Pharisees were some reprobates. The Pharisees were God's son. They were God's elect people. They were upholding the laws of God. They were, the Pharisees would have been the fundamentalists of their day. And here comes, here comes some people under, the, under the, the, the leadership of this Jesus from a little place called Nazareth. Anything could come out of Nazareth. Here, under the leader, preceded, well, John the Baptist came before him, and then Jesus came. I should have mentioned, now that I mentioned John the Baptist, it's come back to my mind. When John the Baptist said, one coming whose shoes I'm not able to unloose, we all ran with it that John was not able to unloose Jesus' shoes because John was humble. And he was just showing that he was not qualified, no friend. Go back and read the book of Ruth. I can't remember the exact chapter. I think it's cha chapter 4 or somewhere there. When Boaz went down to the gate, you know, one of the, 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 the signature, if I can call it that, the, the, the evidence of the covenant was the taking of the shoe. Don't just run with everything you hear. Losing the shoe was not, had nothing to do with whether or not he was like him. John the Baptist always knew that Jesus was great, and he didn't have to prove that. He was trying to bring, he knew that Jesus was the Messiah until the point when he, get into, when he got into prison, it was taking too long. But because, because God, and I'm referring to Jesus now, because I believe he's God, went down to the pool of Bethesda and healed this man for 38 years. This man was there for 38 years. He's talking about 38 years of Israel's wandering. Remember I told you that these are not, Miracles. These are signs that are miraculous to teach the Jews something, and every sign relates to the sun. Sign has nothing at all to do with the sun. There's no sign for the church, whether it's a sign of Sabbath, whether it's a sign of healing, whether it's a sign of tongues. There's no sign for the church. The church don't need sign. According to First Corinthians chapter one and verse, I think it's twenty-two. It's the Jew that requires sign. And as I read from John, this is why God gave them the signs. So the sign of the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, 38 years of wilderness wandering under the auspices of Moses that lasted for 40 years, the additional two years under Caleb and Joshua. So the 38 years there was a sermon that Jesus was preaching. This is what can happen and ultimately will happen to Israel. 40 years of wandering, 38 under Moses and the other two under Josh, Caleb and Joshua. But let me just show you a few things I have to can I skip out some things that is why Jesus could have said to the multitude that he spoke to in John chapter 5 you search the scripture and when you talk about scripture he was talking about the Old Testament scripture how do I know that I'll tell you in a moment well brother Swift told you yesterday because when Jesus was speaking, the New Testament was not written yet. So the scripture had to be Old Testament. But there's more reason why it was. 
For in them you think you have eternal life, same Eonus life, and they are they which testify of me. I had started to talk to you about born again, and I hope I made it clear that the amniotic fluid in the mother's womb has nothing to do with Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Jesus said, you mean to tell me that you are a Jew? Not even an ordinary Jew, a ruler, you don't understand this? So when Israel came out of Egypt, they were born out of water. They were born for a purpose. The purpose for which they were born was to go into Canaan. That is the inheritance. Remember, they were delivered before they went into the water of Egypt. So that didn't have anything to do with their deliverance, really. They were outside and were crossing Egypt. God could have done different things, but they had to go through the water. No, you are born when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you go through the waters of baptism. So your baptism is not the baptism that, that, that John baptized. It's not a baptism to repentance. It's a baptism like your brother was baptized out of Egypt. No, your brother was baptized out of Egypt to go to Canaan, to walk. You know why you were baptized? To walk. And so, when you are baptized, if you don't walk, you're just like your brother. You can peruse in the wilderness in all sorts of stuff that we love to call programs. And I can tell you, Pastor Allen, you want to have a lot of people to start some program. As a matter of fact, employ an entertainment pastor. You can borrow the money and employ him. You make it back. And they're going to bring in all sorts of entertainment. And this entertainment and that entertainment. And, and you, you need to give the young people entertainment. And people ask me, what are you going to use to keep the young people? Let me tell you something, folks. If you use entertainment to get your young people, you're going to have to use entertainment to keep your young people. And one of the reasons why we have such a problem and such a crisis in our church, we, we don't teach our young people truth. We baby talk them. We, we, we baby talk them. When they go to Sunday school or junior church, instead of teaching the word of God, you baby talk them. As a result, they can't talk. They never learn to talk. A Jehovah's Witness families knocked on my door three Saturdays ago, and I love them. Hello? I love Jehovah's Witness. They are the easiest people to talk to. As they come to my door and knock on the door, and I go, to, yeah, I'm a true Jehovah's Witness. I say, yes, you are. Yeah, I'm a true Jehovah's Witness. But they're not paying attention to the truth. They just hear the Jehovah's Witness. But I'm a true Jehovah's Witness. And then, this is so... Which kingdom hall you attend? I said, oh no, kingdom hall? I said, this is Satan's kingdom. If I go to a hall here, I'm wrong. Amen. And then I go into starting to tell them that I'm a Jehovah's Witness that believe in a kingdom. And this kingdom has a king. And the king is Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me tell you something. Then just learn a little bit of type. Any one of the types of the Old Testament. And just explain the type to them. 
Christians will tell you, I don't want to talk to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't want to talk about the foolishness that they talk about. Let me tell you something. It's not want you don't want to talk to them. You can't talk to them. You don't know what to tell them. You're lying. You need to tell them about the king of the coming kingdom. I don't want to have anything to do with this kingdom. The most scary thing to me is the fact that more and more people are telling me that it might not be that Jesus Christ will come and set up the kingdom soon and I'm dead scared. There are lots of things that I can't fix. Don't say it, brother. But please, Lord, I know I can't change the time because you have a set time according to the right of the Hebrew. You have an appointed time. I can't change the time. But I'm still praying and hoping that it could be today. If God calls out the church, and I'm in Tennessee, Tennessee is not a bad place to leave from. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. The only thing that could be better than today would have been yesterday. I love the appearing. I want the Lord to come. All of my friends are saying, I have a lot of work left to do. Most of them are the laziest things that you can ever find in the church. They do nothing. Born again is a doctrine that has, and, and don't knock me. Born again is a doctrine that has permeated the church. Appears only two times in the Bible, but it's a big doctrine. You know what that does? The, the, one of the main reasons why I think the church is so anemic is that the church does not cater for the church. When the church meets, and that's what you do when you come, I have been trying to change my vocabulary. I don't go to church. Church is not a place. I meet with the church. And when I meet with the church, I meet with the church. As a preacher, I cater for the church. And if there are other people that are there that are not a part of the church, the church will be so impressive according to Jesus. And some bright scholar here is going to tell me that when Jesus said, let your light so shine before men, he was talking to the Jews. All right? Peter said it. Let your conversation, your man of life, Anastophe, be of such that they will see. Folks, that's what a witness is. The natural man don't understand word. Franklin don't care. But what he does understand is the transformed life, especially if he has something to compare with. If he knew what you were, and know what you are, he will be able to tell the difference. That is why we need to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God. Because you're in the house of God, all the time you're behaving in a particular way. And when you slip and do wrong, you ask God's forgiveness and ask the other people forg to forgive you. And so they will see genuineness in your life. And just by the grace of God, like the Philippian jailer, they might be inspired to ask, Sons, what must I do to be like you? And you don't have to know a lot of verses. You don't have to know a lot of stuff. Just tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is you are acknowledging the fact that there is a kingdom. That's why Lord come first. That kingdom is going to be coming through Jesus, the Jew from down to Nazareth. And Christ is the Messiah that was promised. That is why 
It's not a mistake when you see Jesus before or Christ before. You're going to notice that in the epistles, most times it's going to be Christ Jesus. Because there's no problem for the people who were one time Gentile, former Gentile. They're no longer Gentile. Because you heard yesterday, there's only three kinds of people in the world. Jews, Gentile, and Church of God. I think that is in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Those who were one time Gentile. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, you were dead, you were without hope, you were without God, you were outside of the commonwealth of Israel. In verse 19, he says, no, you are no more alien nor foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. The saints are these. You are fellow citizens with the saints. No, I don't think that we realize it. But among the most anti-Semitic people in the world is the church. The church hate their brother. Paul and it started from the church at Ephesus. They have forgotten their first love. You need to love your brother. The church that hates their brother, that hates Israel, is just like Cain. You, you, you're telling yourself you're not your brother's keeper. You are your brother's keeper. Come back tomorrow and I'll tell you something about that. Well, let me just close off with this. And I'm going to try to do it real quickly. I'm not going to go to all of the references. Uh, go to Exodus with me. Exodus chapter 18. Please. Uh, 18, Exodus. Oh, the reason why it took me so long, I'm finding two passages because I'm finding Exodus chapter 4 as well. In Exodus chapter 18, it says, and I'm reading from verse 1, when Jethro, that was Moses' father in law, and I should have told you this to give you a little preparation for this. Moses, the man Moses, I told that Jesus spoke about him a lot. Uh, the Bible tells us that other than the fact that his parents were Levites, you don't hear too much about his parents. His mother and father were Levites. And you know that he was born and it was a time when there arose a, 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 a fear that didn't know Joseph. Folks, the Assyrian had just taken over. This Assyrian pharaoh, it's not that he didn't know who Joseph was. He didn't regard Joseph. Because Joseph... Joseph was an enemy of his enemy. So he didn't have any, too much regard for Joseph. But Joseph by then was the governor of all Egypt. So he must have known Joseph, but he didn't regard Joseph. So when, when uh, Moses was born and he had to be snapped off among wildlife and the river in an ark. You remember somebody said like that? had to be snatched off among animals in an ark because there was no room for him in the inn. He grew up apart from his people. Moses grew up apart from his people because by now he was with Pharaoh in Pharaoh's palace. But he came back to his people. They liked him initially because he parted an, an, uh, an altercation between two of his brethren. He said, come on, man, you're a brethren, man. Circle that. And that was fine. They liked him initially. They liked Jesus initially when he came in and he fed them with fish and bread and everything was fine. When Moses came back the next day and, 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 and two 
oh, sorry, the previous one was an Egyptian abusing an Israelite. The second time was two Israelites fighting, uh, uh, quarreling among themselves. He settled it. And they didn't like that. Who make you judge among us? And so he fled from among his people. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. While he fled from among his people, he married a Gentile bride, a woman named Zipporah. I want to pay attention to this a little bit because I'm, that, is, that is my high point. It was on, upon this account that Zipporah means wobbler or singing bird who bore a son named Gershom. That means a stranger is here. There was another son named Elias, and his name means my God is help. So we come to the text in Exodus chapter 18 and verse 1. It says, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. And that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now I'm going to pause there and ask you to hold, keep your fingers there and I won't be long. And go over to chapter 4 of Exodus. And I read a couple of verses, or a little more than a couple, probably one or two more than a couple. For you. Over in Exodus chapter 4, it says, and verse number 22, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh that before, Thus uh, saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn son. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if, if thou refuse to let my son go, behold, I will slay thy son. Even thy firstborn son. And it came to pass, by the way, in the inn, that the Lord met him, Moses, and sought to kill him. And I heard time and time again that Moses, God was going to kill Moses because he did not circumcise his son. Sounds good. The Bible didn't say that. Just in case. In a Bible conference, state this woman, think about it. Why did God decide to kill Moses? What did Moses do? Don't just jump and say God was going to kill him because he did not circumcise his son. The Bible did not say that. You know, just in case, in my humble opinion, the reason why God was going to kill Moses is because Moses is Pharaoh's firstborn son. Look again. God said, if you don't let my firstborn son go, I'm going to kill your firstborn son. And God knows exactly what he's going to do. Don't get all bent out of shape. It's just as real when God told Abraham to take Isaac up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. God knows exactly what he was going to do. Let me show you why I think that. So, in the same passage, it says in verse 25, Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin and cast it at Moses' feet. You remember who Zippor is? Zippor is the priest of Midian's daughter. Zippor is a Gentile woman. Zippor has nothing at all to do with covenant. Circumcision, the only place in the Bible where a woman had anything at all to do with circumcision. Worse yet, a Gentile woman. But let me tell you why Zippor could offer, could, could cut the foreskin. And then I'm just going to mention the other passages and I can leave it right there. Let me tell you the story, why I believe, in my humble opinion. You know, I, I'm, I'm so thankful to God for my gray beard. Because old preachers say all sorts of stuff and get away with it. Either you think they have Alzheimer's, 
or something, or it might be true, or sometimes, whichever. But I believe that Zipporah was eligible to perform covenant duty because it was right before the time when Moses was about to go back to Israel, to go back to his people. So Zipporah was not a betrothed wife. Zipporah was a bride. In other words, remember when Jesus said in, in John Church, I'm talking to you, that you must overcome as I have overcome, that you can sit on my father's throne as I sit on my father's throne. What people do on throne? The rain, right? I want you to think with me. Could it be, just could it be, that at this point in time, Zipporah was eligible to act, to partake in a covenant act because she was not a betrothed wife at this point in time. She was a bride. She was the one that was going to sit on the throne because Moses was going to leave. And that is why I can, are you with me? The dropping of the foreskin at Moses' feet was preparation for journey. And so I'm going to take you to something else where some of my friends, probably I'll give them a phone number that you can call me after you're finished. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to come back with his church. I don't believe that. Because when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to war. People don't take their brides to war. And the authority of the scripture, and the reason why I tell you to, to look at that, I'm, I'm going to leave chapter 4, because I tried my best to explain why Zippor was eligible. There is nothing in the scripture that shows us when Moses was circumcised. It is fair to assume she was, he was because he was the son of Levites. But that's it. And the reason why very little is said about Moses' parents is because it's depicting Jesus Christ, particularly his father. His mother was mentioned and spoken about a little bit. Mary, Jesus' mother. Because in Moses' case, Moses' mother took care of Moses for a while for Pharaoh. Or for Pharaoh's daughter, to be more accurate. Right? So, 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 Jesus never had an earthly father. So, there we, we don't have anything on Moses' father. Other than that he was a Levite. And then we find out that in, 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 in verse 2, and Moses, and Jethro Moses' father-in-law, back in chapter 18, and Jethro Moses' father-in-law took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. And so if I had time, I'd take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the passage that we always read, and say the Lord is going to come back with his saints. We need to think, rethink that. Because when the Lord comes back, he's going to come back to war. And people don't take their brides to war. And it is evident, as I think, in my humble opinion, the reason why Zipporah, the only woman in Scripture, a, gent a former Gentile, was able to partake in covenant act, is because she's now the bride. When Jesus leaves to come back, the bride will already have been found. It's not a betrothed wife we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a bride. Church, you're not there yet. That's why I told you your papers are filed. But according to Romans chapter 8, you're waiting for the adoption. Zipporah had had it at this point. And that is why she is the one that's going to hold the throne. 
the reason why you're going to sit on the throne with Christ is that there comes a time when the bride will have to hold the throne when Jesus leaves to go back to Israel. Because when he goes back to Israel, it's war. Soldiers don't tell the wife to war unless they're listed in the army. And Zippor will have legitimate right and power because she's now, and that is what the picture of marriage is, because she's now in authority to sit on the throne and rule while Christ is gone to war. And so we conclude by saying, you don't hear anything about Moses' circumcision, you don't hear anything about Eliezer's circumcision, only that of Gershom. And I could preach another message on that. But it says, and her two sons of which the name, verse 3, oh, by the way, Jude is the other person that mentioned that we take that, Jude 14, that we take that idea from, that the church is going to come back with Christ. But come back for what? Think about that. Just a thought. I mean, straighten me out when I get a chance. And, Je- and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons, and his wife unto Moses in the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God, on the throne, mount, a kingdom. And he said unto Moses, I thy father-in-law, Jethro, am come unto thee, unto thy wife, and her two sons with her. And Moses went out and met his father-in-law, and did obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other how they feared. And as I close with Hebrews chapter 3, and that's it, you can come, Pastor, by the time you get here, I'll be finished. Hebrews chapter 3, just an admonition to all of us, both sons. And I think that is why God, by his spirit, allowed the writer of the Hebrews to write this. Because he wants to cover both his son, the church, and his son, Israel. Wherefore, holy brethren... Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Christ Jesus, you notice that? Not Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus, who was faithful in him, to him, that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who had built the house had more honor than the house. May God bless you richly. Amen.